The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very warm welcome, everybody. This is Squawk Box. Let's get into your headlines. Just in time, a U.S. judge makes a late-night ruling to block the Trump administration's attempt to ban TikTok from app stores as the social media group looks to complete its deal with Oracle and Walmart. But shares in SMIC sink after the U.S. imposes tighter restrictions on China's largest chipmaker, citing concerns over the group's links to the Chinese military. The nomination of Amy Coney Barrett as Supreme Court Justice creates a fresh battleground with Democrats as President Trump looks to rush through her confirmation ahead of the election. I fully understand that this is a momentous decision for a president. And if the Senate does me the honor of confirming me, I pledge to discharge the responsibilities of this job to the very best of my ability. Shares in HSBC jump in Hong Kong as Pian Insurance raises its stake in the bank to 8%, while Commerce Bank names a new CEO with Manfred Knopf set to take the helm in January. Cities in Europe defy lockdown rulings with protests breaking out in Marseille, while authorities in Madrid reject the government's proposed restrictions on the capital. So let's kick off the programme this morning with an update on the TikTok story. A federal judge has granted social media platform TikTok a last-minute and temporary reprieve from being banned by the US government. Without the injunction, the Trump administration would have forced companies like Apple and Google to remove TikTok from their app stores last night. Arjun joins us from Guangzhou with more on the story. So Arjun, just give us an update then. What is the current status of availability of TikTok? So it's uh, still available in U.S. Apple Store, uh, U.S. App Stores, the likes that uh, Apple and Google offer right now. Um, if the uh, ban had gone through, that would have uh, effectively been blocked as of just before midnight on uh, Sunday over in the U.S. And uh, it came really after TikTok filed an injunction last week against that Commerce Department order, asking the judge to grant it an injunction uh, against the order. And, and what their lawyers essentially argued in court was that. Uh, any sort of ban on downloads of the app would infringe the company's First Amendment rights over in the U.S. They also said it would cause irreparable harm to the uh, to the business and also said the ban is punitive, saying that it's just a blunt way to whack the company. Now, lawyers for the U.S., on the other hand, argued that TikTok is a national security threat, that it's mining the data of American users and could potentially send that over to Beijing. TikTok, of course, has denied all those claims. Now, after the ruling happened, the Commerce Department came in and said it will comply with the, with the injunction, but continue defending the executive order, saying it was consistent with the law. Meanwhile, TikTok came out and said it was pleased by the deal and that it would work towards a deal for its U.S. operations. It's important to note that the judge did not block further restrictions that are set to come into effect on November 12th, which would essentially render the TikTok app in the U.S. Um, unusable. Um, 
And that really is what we're looking towards now and almost uh, see that as a sort of deal deadline for this continued negotiations between TikTok, uh, parent company ByteDance, as well as Oracle and Walmart over in the US. And where things stand on that deal are, are no clearer than they were on Friday, really, Jeff. I mean, Oracle and Walmart have said they're going to take a 20% stake in a US business called TikTok Global. ByteDance has said it will own 80% of that business. Oracle has contested that, saying ByteDance will have no ownership of that company at all. So that's really what we're watching here, of course. And ideally, we're looking for some concrete deal terms, how exactly that's going to be structured. And then finally, that will need the green light from both the US and Beijing. And if we read some of the tea leaves in Chinese state media here, they've been very, very negative towards the deal, uh, likening it to robbery, calling it unfair and dirty. So if that's anything to go by, there doesn't seem to have good standing here in China. And that could prove a major hurdle for this deal to go through. Guys, back to you. Arjun, thank you very much for running us through the latest there, but uh, plenty of other issues for China to worry about too. And the latest run, SMIC uh, shares in that company are trading lower after the US slapped China's biggest chip maker with export restrictions. Let's get out to Sam for more on this. As Sam, this is seen as another major negative for Huawei that at uh, one point uh, pretty much looking on trying to make its uh, its orders domestically for, for chips. And this is clearly one of the, the big negatives if it wants to do that. Absolutely, Karen. Good morning to you. So companies that supply to SMIC will now reportedly need to apply for export licenses to actually sell equipment to the big Chinese chip maker. And this move is said to be over concerns that this equipment could be used by the Chinese military. And so, as you suggested, this is widely being seen as potentially threatening to actually cut off the company from this much needed equipment to actually make these chips. Now, earlier this month, uh, the US did say that it was weighing up potentially putting SMIC on a blacklist as it really ramps up uh, this broader crackdown now on several Chinese tech companies over these concerns that they pose a national security risks. Of course, we did see these wider restrictions imposed on Huawei just recently, further limiting its access to chips, including from SMIC. Now, SMIC has denied that it has ties to the Chinese military, but as expected, this has drawn a pretty angry response from Chinese state media. Actually, the Global Times has said that the move against Huawei uh, was an all-out siege to paralyze China's high-tech industry and has actually suggested now, since this move against SMIC, that China may have to actually go it alone now when it comes to the semiconductor industry and has said that the country may need to prepare for a new uh, long tech march uh, now and certainly an interesting historical reference and uh, an interesting metaphor to use in certainly dealing with this uh, US pressure and it does really tie into this broader decoupling narrative between uh, the two sides. Now while there has of course been a lot of attention on this TikTok story as Arjun was just talking about, experts have certainly suggested that these moves on SMIC and Huawei are much more significant certainly from a global economic standpoint and that is because this could take a hit to global supply chains. And so they say that this is more likely to get a strong reaction from Beijing. And so if Chinese state media is anything to go by, they have certainly suggested, as you pointed out, Karen, that this you know, could potentially 
deal a, a significant blow now to China's ambitions to uh, really uh, be more competitive on the, on the global stage when it comes to these kinds of technologies. Of course, we have seen Beijing throwing an enormous amount of support behind these homegrown tech companies to be more self-reliant, self-sufficient uh, in the face of this US pressure. And the SMIC has been widely seen as playing a big role in all of that. Of course, it only just recently listed a few months ago on the Nasdaq-style tech-heavy starboard following these capital market reforms to actually include more high-tech strength in the face of some of this U.S. pressure and against this, this broader tech backdrop between the world's two biggest economies. And as you suggested, we did see shares in SMIC in really bad shape over in Hong Kong and Shanghai today off the back of this news, as well as other Chinese semiconductor firms. So, we, of course, we are waiting to hear for a response from Beijing, an official response, but certainly the sort of ideas that have been thrown around when it does come to these moves against Huawei in the past is that we could potentially see maybe China hitting back and by targeting the likes of Apple or Qualcomm. But as I say, we'll have to wait and see and hear an official response from Beijing later this afternoon, guys. Back to you. Sam, thank you so much for that. Well, let's have a quick check in on the markets then as we're setting you up for the European start uh, to trade. Um, Political uncertainties, the stimulus package adrift, uh, a resurgence in COVID, and yet it was a rock-solid performance on Friday from the US indices. In fact, it was the best day for the Dow, the Nasdaq and the S&P since the 9th of the 9th. Um, For the Dow and the S&P, though, probably just worth pointing out here, uh, we have had the first four-week losing streak since 2020. So even as those markets managed to eke out a positive close to the Friday session, some of these indices continue to grind lower at this point. Um, Let's just check in on your technology trade here, because the Nasdaq was up well over 2%. And as you can see across the board, we did get a a little bit of a rebound uh, in those technology counters. The big issue for this week is, I would guess, obviously going to be what happens with the stimulus. But on Tuesday, we get the first presidential uh, debate. And I think people are going to be watching very closely to see how Joe Biden does in that debate against Donald Trump, given Uh, The Wall Street Journal had a terrific piece arguing that the markets now are deliciously priced, both in terms of uh, the cash market and the options market, for an ambiguous election result at this stage. And I know we've been talking a lot over recent weeks about uh, whether President Trump is going to sign up to a peaceful transition of power uh, should he lose the election uh, with the result being very tight. But Tuesday's debate is going to get an awful lot of attention from everybody, not least the markets. Um, Karen, given what we've said about TikTok and about the geopolitical uncertainty, you might have thought that uh, the Asian markets would be weaker at this point, but not necessarily the case. 
Jeff, well, we had that positive handover from Wall Street, but also some more catalysts domestically. There were some concerns around the data globally last week, and we saw the services side of the economy. But what we've had out of China today, encouraging news, suggests perhaps a tailwind from the mainland market. Uh, profits at the Chinese industrial firms rose by more than 19% in the month of August. That was the fourth straight month of gains. The growth was led by the autos, equipment and raw material sectors, so fairly broad-based across some of those cyclical areas of the economy. In terms of what that means for the Asian markets today, we are just trading in the green. If you can flash up the boards, you can see across from the Chinese markets to uh, initially they were in the green, but just pulling back. But the uh, Japanese stock market trading positive by seven tenths of a percent. Hong Kong also picking up on that news, three quarters of a percent. And as you can see, a little bit more volatility now just moving into that Chinese trade. The Shanghai Composite now off two tenths of a percent. And let's uh, see what the leads look like for the opening calls here in Europe. The mix of trade last week, it was negative mostly in Friday's session. The exception was really for the UK stock market that uh, marched higher by about a third of a percent. That said, the UK stock market has had one of the weakest showings on a quarterly basis. So if you consider that in context, uh, any gains we saw Friday's session were certainly very welcome. This morning, we are also indicated higher, but uh, you can see 70 on the boards suggesting we'll make a little bit of uh, that uh, territory up. So gains very much needed for this market. Market. The DAX chasing very strong signals also in the French market and Italian stocks. So we are nicely perched before the start of the session, Jeff. Terrific, Karen. Thanks so much for that. And good to see you this Monday morning. Let's take a, a swift break then. We'll be back in just a moment. Still to come, a highly successful businessman like President Trump probably paid lots of taxes over recent years. Well, We'll tell you what uh, one newspaper is suggesting as far as that's concerned. And we're going to cover off President Trump's new Supreme Court nominee. More on the battle to confirm her when we come back. And for the latest on the rising tensions between the US and China, along with market reaction, don't forget to check out the Squawk Box podcast. Listen to CNBC's Beyond the Valley, the podcast that explores the biggest tech news from across the globe. Join me, Arjun Karpal. And me, Tom Chitty, every week as we bring you insights into the top stories, unpack the latest trends and find out where the industry is headed. Now available on Spotify, Apple Music and Google Podcasts. You're watching Squawk Box. Well, the U.S. Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, believes another coronavirus stimulus plan can still be reached after talks with the Trump administration fell apart in August. Pelosi added House Democrats will move on an aid package worth around $2.4 trillion. The new price tag is far less than Democrats' initial proposal, but still more than what the White House has said it will approve. Jeff. Thank you. President Trump has nominated Amy Coney Barrett to the U.S. Supreme Court. If confirmed, she would become the third Supreme Court justice appointed by President Trump, securing a six to three conservative majority. NBC's Kelly O'Donnell has more. We've been negotiating for a long time. Things get settled, like in the IRS. But right now, when you're under audit, you don't do it. You don't do that. So we're under audit. They treat me very well. Tell us what you paid in federal taxes. I didn't call you. 
I'm talking to him. You should be more respectful of this gentleman. Be very rude to him. As the battle over the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett begins. Late today, the president praised Judge Barrett and defended a rush to see her confirmed. Yesterday, I was very proud to nominate Judge Amy Coney Barrett to the United States Supreme Court. Hours earlier in Delaware. Good afternoon. Joe Biden defined the stakes for Democrats. The clear focus is this is about your health care. Biden read aloud a tweet sent by the president today claiming Obamacare will be replaced if it is terminated by the Supreme Court. Biden broadened the threat he sees with Barrett on the high court. Women could lose the bedrock rights enshrined in Roe v. Wade for 50 years. People are voting right now. President Trump argues the vacancy is his to fill. In every single instance, going back to George Washington, the president has performed his constitutional duty and nominated a justice. And in almost every one of these cases over the past 230 years, where the president and the Senate were the same party, the justice, uh, as you know, that justice was confirmed. Biden urged Republican senators to, quote, step back from the brink and let voters decide the court's direction. Just because you have the power to do something doesn't absolve you of your responsibility to do right by the American people. And that was NBC's Kelly O'Donnell with the report. Uh, Let's bring in Barbara Perry, professor and director of presidential studies at the University of Virginia's Miller Center. Good to have you with us, Professor. Let me just start off by asking, do, do you think ultimately that there will be a shall I say, relatively smooth process here to uh, to put Amy Coney Barrett um, onto the Supreme Court now that uh, uh, President Trump has nominated her? I do. Uh, I certainly, the Democrats will uh, put up a fuss as, as well they should and have the right to do that. But uh, the Republicans have the vote in the Senate and barring some unforeseen circumstances happened with Judge Kavanaugh or with uh, Judge Thomas uh, some years ago. Uh, I, I think it's going to go through and it may well go through and uh, have, have this person seated on the court uh, prior to November 3rd's election or just after. Very closely at her background, what difference is she going to make to the composition of the court and ultimately the way it thinks about critical issues like abortion? Couldn't get any more different uh, than the person she would be replacing. That is the late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, who was not a a far left uh, liberal, I should say, but a rather moderate liberal. But she certainly tended to vote with the liberal side and particularly anything that involved gender or gender preference issues or voting or race or affirmative action uh, and certainly reproductive rights. And it seems that uh, Judge uh, Amy Coney Barrett uh, is just the polar opposite of that. So on anything you can name that has a conservative and a liberal side, it appears that uh, then just now when we have Justice Barrett, that she's going to be on the conservative side, which gives six votes to the conservatives on the Supreme Court. Uh, Justice Amy Coney Barrett is a Roman Catholic. Do you think there's been too much focus on her religion around this appointment? No, I don't. Uh, Perhaps it was uh, mishandled uh, when she was appointed uh, in 2017 for the D.C. or excuse me, for the Seventh Circuit. Uh, And it's it's possible that Dianne Feinstein, the senator from California, 
uh, did make too much of it, or at least did it in a rather undiplomatic way in the hearings. Uh, I think it's fair to think in terms of how someone is going to vote. I think it's fair to think in terms of what that person's written, uh, either in opinions or in law review articles, as this judge has done. Uh, but because of our separation of church and state and our First Amendment of our Constitution, it's probably wise not to make too much of the religious component, rather focus on her ideology and her conservatism. There's already been some concerns about what happens if we have a very close election and uh, President Trump wants to challenge the outcome. Democrats have been asking uh, the U.S. Supreme Court nominee to effectively recuse herself from any election-related cases. Do you think that she should? Do you think that there's the right course of action? I do. I think this would be very much like the uh, Watergate tapes case in 1974, which really pushed Richard Nixon out of office as well. It should have. Uh, and one of the justices, then an associate justice, William Rehnquist, uh, recused himself because he had worked in the Nixon administration in the Justice Department. I think because this appointment has come so close to the election, uh, that it would be wise for presuming Justice Barrett ends up on the Supreme Court, uh, that she would recuse herself. I should add, though, that that's solely up to the justice. There is no uh, push uh, in any kind of official way to remove a justice from a case. He or she has to decide for himself or herself. Professor, if I could just move you on slightly. We have the first debate on Tuesday, and I think um, we are all intrigued to see what kind of performance we get from Joe Biden at this point and how President Trump stands up. You have spent a lot of time looking at presidents and the way they behave and the way they speak. How critical is this first debate, do you think, in terms of swaying any remaining floating voters? Now, the polls show that uh, about 10% uh, of likely voters still say they're undecided. Hard to believe after everything that the country's been through, but that there it is. Uh, so there, there are apparently some swayable voters out there. Uh, the first debate is always important. Uh, it can either uh, lock in uh, where the candidates are in that case. If it does, uh, it will lock in uh, perhaps a win for Joe Biden because he is leading in all the polls nationwide and in the critical states. On the other hand, a, a terrible gaffe or something that's terribly impolitic or undiplomatic or uh, something in Joe, in Joe Biden's uh, background that comes out or perhaps he's not as fluent as he should be uh, could perhaps cause some of those voters to switch away from him. But I suspect he'll do pretty well. Trump will be Trump. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, so I suspect that there won't be a big fluctuation in the polls coming after Tuesday evening. And um, he's been dogged throughout his presidency by this sort of vague question of uh, character. Um, do you think this revelation that we're seeing now about how much tax he paid uh, over the last 10 to 15 years will make any difference to people's voting intentions? I don't think it will with that uh, seemingly uh, resolute base that he has, uh, that uh, famously he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue in New York City and, and they wouldn't care. Uh, so I don't think it's going to affect them. But again, this if it is indeed about 10% of voters who are undecided, uh, most people in this country pay taxes. And I think that they would be very upset to find out that he who says he has millions of dollars uh, is paying little or, or no tax. Uh, so it could sway a few people, I should think. But remember that when this was brought up by Hillary Clinton in the 2016 debates, he, uh, he said sotto voce into the microphone. It just proved that he was smart because he didn't pay taxes. 
Can I just jump in and ask you a little bit about Obamacare? Because there are some concerns that with a new nominee that uh, there could be some decisive vote that is cast to effectively strike down Obamacare health law. And clearly we're in the middle of a pandemic and healthcare is incredibly important to many Americans. But there is a, a an oral argument that will be held uh, at uh, the November 10th hearing. What do you make of the, the chances of some monumental change around Obamacare come this year? Well, presuming that uh, Judge Barrett is then Justice Barrett, and we have a full complement of nine members of the court, even if Chief Justice uh, John Roberts, who has actually voted a couple of times to uphold Obamacare, or the ACA as it's called, uh, even if he should vote with the liberals to uphold it, that would still have five votes uh, against it. Uh, so I won't be surprised if when that case comes down, when that decision is handed down, it might not be until next summer, despite the fact that the oral argument is this November, uh, that it could indeed strike down uh, the ACA. If Biden is, is the president at that time and the Senate is Democratic and the House is Democratic, then obviously they could uh, pass something that would be perhaps upheld by the court. Uh, if Trump is in office, he's been saying for four years that he's going to replace Obamacare, but we've yet to see that plan. So I, I think it's a, it's a fraught time, certainly for this country uh, in the midst of the pandemic, as you say, for the possibility that people could lose their health insurance, as well as people who are covered for pre-existing conditions could, could lose that coverage as well. Uh, and just before we uh, let you go, Professor, can I just uh, ask you about this this issue about the peaceful transition? Um, I think outside of America, we are looking on with uh, bemusement. Uh, this is the probably the world's most successful democracy, and one would expect the democratic process to run smoothly. Do you pay any attention to this uh, suggestion that President Trump may be unwilling to walk peacefully? if this is a close election outcome? I do pay attention because uh, I, I would say perhaps about half of the outrageous he's, things he's said in the last almost four years, uh, he's made good on or bad on as the case may be. And maybe the other half he just said for effect. Uh, but it certainly uh, has us not bemused in this country, but I would say quite worried. Uh, it feels a bit like we've become a banana republic. And whereas the United States used to send people like Jimmy Carter around the world to monitor elections, it feels as though we should be asking the rest of the world to come and monitor us and help us get through this on November the 3rd. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Cho. Weekdays on CNBC.